Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now-ish. What's up, y'all? Pandarvis Harshaw, host of Right Now-ish, here in 2021. Happy New Year. I'm still in the crib, still wearing a mask when I go outside, and still telling stories about the world we live in. Today, we're talking to a man with a horse, and how it all really started with him falling in love with some boots, which eventually led to him tapping into his own family roots. This man grew up in East Oakland, and now works in data science in Silicon Valley, and spends his leisure time horseback riding. His name is Dale Johnson, and he loves being a polo player. In an earlier version of the story, we made an error and called him Dale Johnson III. It's truly Dale Johnson Jr. His story, after this. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. We're here to talk about you being an equestrian, a polo player, a horse rider, Bring me back to the start. How'd you get started in riding horses before you even get to polo? Horses is not, you know, foreign, completely foreign to my family. And what a lot of people are starting to learn is that many of the cowboys in the United States were black, largely because they weren't necessarily uh, permitted or admitted into, you know, more professional type occupations. My grandfather was born, I believe it was 1917, 1918. His name is Chester Johnson. He grew up on a ranch just north of Houston called High Prairie. And that was actually a black settlement that my family founded shortly after Juneteenth with another family called the McAdams family. And basically what they did was they went into cattle ranching. 
fast forward his life, he ended up kind of coming to Oakland in the war uh, and the great migration like a lot of other black families did. But, you know, when I was growing up, he would talk about horses, was very much in his blood and in his roots. So in the back of my mind, there were always horses there. So then, you know, fast forward in my life, I was actually on a business trip in uh, Buenos Aires and I walk into a shop and I look up and I see a, a pretty badass pair of boots on the top shelf. And I asked the shopkeep like, are those for polo? And he's like, yeah, those are polo boots. And I was like, man, those boots are bad. So I decided after that, that, you know, I was gonna take up polo. You're a bigger dude. When I think of horseback riding, I, for some reason, I think of jockeys and like smaller people, like my size, like you're pretty built. When you do look at a lot of the polo world, people tend to skew a little more lean. I think my body type, uh, having played a different variety of sports and being a bit of a, a athlete and a weightlifter in the past, is a little bit different than what you typically see on the polo field. But it's not impossible or it's not like it hasn't happened before. And then the other aspect of it is that you're African-American man. Yeah, I think that's a huge interest to a lot of people. You know, when I play the sport, I always want to be known as a, as a really good player, a decent player, a gentleman on the field, but I am a black polo player. You'll see black polo players throughout the country, but the numbers and the representation from the black community or the African-American community in general is obviously not as large. But I can say that not at one point in this particular community have I ever felt unwelcomed or not included. That is not always the case though. I've heard in different parts of the equestrian world, especially with black women, um, maybe in the hunter jumper world or the dressage world, that's not always the case for them. You do feel the weight of being a black equestrian and then also representing the polo community and then representing my own family. You think about the weight of what that means to be a black equestrian and not necessarily as well represented in the space, um, you know, you always want to, to represent that to the best of one's ability. You have a horse. What's the horse's name? What, what does he or she look like? My horse's name is, is Sunny, and Sunny is a mare. A mare is a female horse. In polo, mares are the preferred horse of choice. And she's what you call, uh, she's like a red roan or a strawberry roan, which means that she has kind of reddish hair, reddish brown hair, and with like flakes of white inside of her. And she's mine and I love her. And she's, she's a good friend. She's, she's got a lot of personality. A common nickname for people is like Side Eye Sunny. Uh, so. <laughs> what? Sunny, what? Side Eye Sunny, yes. And I would say she's an alpha mare. <laughs> um, you know, she'll just let you know. Like, if she doesn't, like, want to work that day, she'll throw her head, she can buck, she'll she'll heal back, she'll do a bunch of things. So, you know, sometimes Sunny and I often have to work to kind of get her to be like, okay, Sunny, I've given you 23 hours to be a horse. You just need to, just this one hour, you need to just kind of work with me here. But on the ground, that means when I'm not actually on her back, she's the sweetest thing. She loves cookies, she loves to hug. She loves, you know, following me around and all those things. You know, Sunny just doesn't like to work, you know, I mean, so. <laughs> I think the biggest thing that I love about it is the happiness that it, it brings so many other people. It doesn't matter what walk of life, if they kind of see Sunny and I walking around uh, the property where I keep her, she stays on a winery in Half Moon Bay. 
everybody just seems to get excited. And that for me brings me so much joy that I, you know, this guy from Oakland can just bring joy to just to any person. So ahead of this interview, I was doing a little research and I was just looking at different instances in popular culture where black horse riders have been noted recently. And I came across, of course, um, the Black Cowboy Association, which I'm very familiar with out of Oakland. There was the Compton Cowboys. Uh, and of course, recently, Brianna Noble riding during protests uh, this past summer. What do you think of just this, what seems like a growing popularity of black horse riders? I think it's fabulous. A lot of black people can tie their roots back to, I think, I know that I can in my family to black equestrians, whether they be their grandparents or great grandparents being cowboys and, and all of those things. To be frank, I think that black equestrians have always been there, but the fact that they're starting to be kind of brought to the fore and included a lot more in the discussion, I think is an amazing thing. And I think that the work that when you look at what uh, Brianna is doing here in the Bay Area with her um, humble project at Mulatto Meadow, Meadows, Briones or even the Compton Cowboys in, in Compton proper, uh, a lot of the work that they do for just at-risk youth and children and things like that are just children who would nece not necessarily have the means or the capabilities to have exposures to horses is fantastic. You dressed up as Wakandans and rode with Brianna and her sister recently through the Sunnydale Projects in San Francisco. What was that like? The folks who had organized it there wanted to do a Wakanda-type theme for the families. Um, obviously, as an, in a nod to sort of Chadwick Boseman and his passing, and of course, what the movie uh, Black Panther meant for so many Black people. It was a proud moment for me to ride with Brianna and her sister, who, in my opinion, are two sort of figureheads in the community. And then, of course, um, my horse, Sonny, to just go out there and, and be a part of something that was good and to give back to people. How does it feel being up there on top of a horse? Like It has to like, regal. You have little kids pointing, looking at you. Like How does that feel? You know, there is something about being on a horse that makes you sit a little bit taller. You sit a little bit prouder. When you're on that horse, you want to be extra careful. You want to be extra careful for the people on the ground. You want to be extra careful uh, for the horse. And so I think what it inspires in the mind when you're riding is, is not only am I this proud person that people are looking up to, but it also means that here's this huge responsibility that I have. I hadn't thought of the responsibility because you're right, that is a very large, strong animal. Right, exactly. And you have to make sure that that animal is calm, especially riding, you know, if you're riding in Sunnydale or you're riding in downtown Oakland or you're riding anywhere, there's all these things that aren't necessarily things that the horse is usually accustomed to seeing. Any tidbit of advice that you would give to a young person looking to get into the polo world? The number one thing that a person wants to do when they play polo is they want to be a great rider. I mean, let's, let's not beat around the bush. It's an expensive sport. It's an expensive hobby. And it's not impossible, but one has to look at those numbers and say, okay, how do I hack this? And so that's what I did. I learned to ride. And effectively, I brought my average cost down. There are tons of people who need horses exercise. Like, I've even offered my horse from people from time to time when I'm traveling who I know are pretty confident. Hey, you can ride this horse and you can do it for free. 
But I think a lot of people, when they think of polo, they think the Prince of Wales, they think the, the Verve Clicquot, they think, you know, they think Ralph Lauren and all of those things for, you know, people who maybe aren't typically from, you know, a certain set, those things could be daunting, right? So my thing is, is like, don't be daunted by sort of those ivory towers. Go in, you say that you want to do it, you deserve to be there. Don't be afraid to walk into these different spaces. What I'm hearing is like, disregard classism, disregard feeling like you don't belong at the table and really just refine your skill. Right. This sport and its community have taught me to, in many ways, be even more courageous. Thank you. Thank you for that. Dale Johnson, thank you again for your time, for your story. And I got to get some boots now. For those of you out there who'd like to keep in touch with Dale, check out his Instagram at SFExceptionalism. There's plenty of pics of him and his horse Sonny on there. One time for the production work of Marisol, Medina Cadena, and Julie Chang. Our editor is Jessica Plachik. Our engineer is Seal Muller. Engagement team is Kiana Mogadam, Lena Blanco, Sarah Pineda, and Vita Kong. KQED execs are Erica Aguilar, David Marcus, and Holly Kearney. Big thank you to the entire team. Before you go, just want to say, moral of the story is, buy those boots. Have a good one. My name is Pendarvis Harshaw. Peace. Right Nowish is a KQED production. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.